Hi, everybody. Adam Cook from Campus Inc. in the NIL store. Want to say real quickly, thank you so much for listening and joining us on this journey. And as a reminder, if you ever need any custom merchandise, youth jerseys, camp t-shirts, whatever it may be, you can always find us at campus.inc. And of course, for all your NIL needs, nil.store. We're going to jump into the episode. I hope you enjoy. Hey, everyone. This is Stephen Farrig and Adam Cook from Campus Inc. Um, here to launch what we call the NIL show. Have we named it yet, Adam? I don't think we have, but uh, that seems sounds pretty good to me. Cool. So um, some of you may have been following us, and Campus Inc. has been a decorated apparel company uh, in the collegiate space for quite some time. Uh, we recently got an investment from Mark Cuban. Adam Cook recently quit his full-time job to come join us in the NIL space. <laughs> but we're going to be talking about all things NIL. Uh, that's name, image, and likeness. So let's just run it back. Adam Cook, who are you and what are you doing? Yeah, I uh, am overseeing all of our NIL efforts here at Campus Inc. So my official uh, uh, title, if you care about those sorts of things, is Director of Athlete Development and Partnerships. Um, I am relatively new to Campus Inc. Uh, officially, but have been very close to Campus Inc. Uh, as a fan and a follower for a while. So my background is actually as a collegiate athlete. I grew up in the Chicagoland area. I played collegiate volleyball at California Baptist University in Riverside, California. Go Lancers. And uh, after my playing career, I coached both the men's and the women's for a couple of years. Um, did a little bit in strength and conditioning. Um, and so along with my role at Campus Inc., I also teach in the Master's of Sports Administration at Northwestern University. So really excited to uh, be here doing this now in an official capacity uh, with you and, and Campus Inc. Sweet. So to give listeners a little background, um, Campus Inc. is an apparel company. We are a screen printing, embroidery, decoration company in central Illinois, right outside of the University of Illinois campus. I went to the University of Illinois. I graduated from there in 2014, started selling merch in college. One thing led to another, and uh, we teach college students all across the country how to sell apparel. We manage the brands for several collegiate uh, companies, whether it's in the fraternal sorority space um, and now uh, in sports. Um, Adam and I, Adam, what's our love story? Go for it. Yeah. So uh, before, um, well, when I first moved back to Chicago, uh, Chicagoland area from California, the first job that I had was uh, slinging software for this company you may or may not have heard of called Printavo. So uh, I was an early hire at Printavo. Bruce took a chance on me uh, in terms of just building out the the sales and, and onboarding um, kind of team there and knowing absolutely nothing about screen printing and apparel. Uh, he brought in his good friend, Stephen Ferrick, to teach me everything there is to know about <laughs> the decorated apparel in industry. And so uh, I think one of the first things you and I did was hit the road for trade shows, uh, selling software together, uh, hanging out in, in hotel rooms, uh, figuring out how to, how to get people to understand what, what even software is in the decorated apparel space. Yeah. And so uh, what's actually pretty interesting is, you know, we kind of both went our separate ways, became pretty good friends along the way. Um, but Adam became a huge cheerleader of our business. When legislation passed and college athletes were allowed to make money on their name, image, and likeness, a college student texted me and said, hey, Stephen, I 
want to sell to the basketball team. They just messaged me. And my first message was to Adam saying, what the heck is going on? What are we doing? <laughs> so Adam, tell us a little bit about what name, image, and likeness is. Um, it's kind of been a buzzword around you know, collegiate space for a minute, but give listeners just an idea of what, what that is. Yeah, we're, you know, we're nine, 10 months into this, you know, new era of collegiate sports. And so um, if you know anything, if you're, if you're a fan at all about sports, you, you've, you've heard name, image, and likeness. Um, name, image, and likeness is not new. This is something that the NCAA has had legislation and standards and, um, and, and practices around since their inception. The only thing that changed is July 1st, uh, the legislation around it changed. And so um, it was Austin versus the NCAA. Uh, they brought an antitrust case against the NCAA um, saying that they were, you know, basically had a monopoly over controlling the name, image, and likeness of their collegiate athletes. Uh, Supreme Court um, ruled in favor of Alston, which then gave collegiate athletes the right to uh, monetize, profit, benefit from the use of their NIL. Um, enter this, you know, wild, wild west era that everybody's talking about is, oh my gosh, what are we going to do? You know, this opens up the floodgates. Um, and uh, some of that has been challenging. Some of that has been awesome. So just to backtrack, before July 1st, college athletes could not monetize or make money on their likeness. They couldn't sell apparel. They couldn't be in video games. Like you said that name, image, and likeness has been around for some time. Can you kind of go into detail on what college athletes could do or couldn't do? Yeah. I mean, essentially the long and short of it is they couldn't do anything. I remember as an athlete and, you know, I was at a small school playing, you know, a not very visible sport. Uh, and I remember there being, you know, posters in our locker rooms and, uh, without getting too graphic, like even in the bathrooms above this or on the stall doors of these like laundry lists of things that you're not allowed to do. You're not allowed to, you know, have your photo as associated with any business, not allowed to, uh, run camps that are in your sport and charge for them. Uh, you basically couldn't leverage your, uh, position or, your um, influence as a collegiate athlete and profit in any way off of that. The NCAA and the university essentially owned your name, image, and your likeness. So you're telling me if I taught tennis in high school, I helped out at the local club, and then I went and played in college, I couldn't teach tennis over the summer? And not charge for it. You could do it. You just would not be able to charge for it or make any money from your expertise, which, you know, it's crazy when you think about the amount of athletes that go from the high school level to the collegiate level, you know, it's a really small percentage. And so if you play a sport at the collegiate level, you are in no small way considered one of the top experts in your field. So you were completely hamstrung from being able to, to, profit or, or monetize that expertise in any way, shape or form. And this is why Adam, you could buy NCAA football at some point, right? And then oh, yeah. NCAA football on Xbox, you couldn't buy anymore, right? Tell us yeah. about that. So that was where, you know, if you remember playing, I think this even happened, uh, in, uh, whatever that, that old, I had Oh five NCAA Oh five. Yeah, you you could you could you know be your team. You could be University of Michigan. You could be SC, but it was always like 
tight end number 89 or, you know, QB number seven. It was never the actual player. Uh, and sure enough, their stats would be all the same and it would kind of look the same way uh, as that player maybe would would look in real life. Um, but they couldn't use the player's name uh, because they didn't they weren't paying the player out for anything um, in terms of 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 use of their name in that game. And so that's where all of this lawsuit came about. And, uh, the NCAA decided to say, Ooh, maybe we should actually just not produce this game anymore because <laughs> people are starting to realize we're making millions of dollars off of a video game of a bunch of 18 and 19 year old kids. So July 1st came around. Um, we're an apparel decorating company that works primarily with college students. We get a text message from a couple college students saying, hey, we want to sell, we want to help these athletes out primarily at the University of Illinois. So I call Adam and I'm like, what do I do to make sure that these guys stay eligible? <laughs> remember yeah, that? I, I remember I remember you texted me and you were like, hey, what's what's this NIL stuff? And I was like, oh boy, here we go. <laughs> <laughs> and these conversations then, they just turn into like threads and, and convos. And I mean, we were chatting about it for quite some time. You know, we were running a brand at the University of Illinois called the Illini Store. Um, a ton of e-commerce that we do. You know, we have a retail license, so we're able to push that. And we started basically signing these players. Um, and we were working with their parents. Sometimes we were working with agents. You had like high we school just, coaches reaching out to you too, right? We had high school coaches. Like we had one news article come out about Brandon Pajemski and, and, and we're like, oh boy, okay, here we go. And I was still treading very lightly. Again, we were using the same formula of selling to fraternities and sororities, whether we were fundraising or teaching someone how to profit. The formula didn't change. But I didn't really think it was something we were gonna like take to the moon by any means. I don't know, Adam. When did it? When did we really? When did the combos start getting intense? Yeah, I'm trying to remember. I think, I think for the first thing that I remember you saying to me is like, you know, hey, I, I don't even know if there's any opportunity here, and me saying, oh, there's a hundred percent opportunity, but there's also a lot of liability. Cause when you, when you start to go into athletes and athletics, you start to get into this whole conversation around, you know, official activities versus unofficial activities and, you know, licensing and all of this kind of stuff. And so I think the, the big conversation was, okay, how do we make sure that if we're going to go about this, we're not the company that screws up somebody's eligibility. Like that's that, right. <laughs> that's a and, really and easy really, way to get canceled. The story was, you know, we were talking to Kofi Coburn's, you know, marketing agency, and we were talking about advances in royalty and figuring out how much he was going to make. And uh, we had signed him, and then I got a phone call saying, like, "Hey, Kofi's actually suspended for three games." Because he illegally sold his items on on you know I think it was like a player's trunk or something like that yeah and he did that while he was in the transfer portal or, or sorry when he thought in, he was going to go to the draft right yeah and literally our first major sign with Kofi like he couldn't even play his first three games so I was like freaking out being like what did well, we just do that's one of the crazy things too about this whole you know shift in 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 who owns this name image and likeness that's a perfect example of you know you've got a guy who's an ncaa eligible athlete under the old nil legislation where he can't sell merchandise or whatever he declares for the draft which by definition no longer makes him an ncaa eligible athlete 
while he's in the draft, he is selling merchandise completely legally. He decides not to go into the draft and so returns back to the school, which is a, a back door that the NCAA intentionally has left open. He's now back under the umbrella of being an NCAA eligible athlete and then retroactively gets in trouble for selling merchandise. It's it's such it wasn't, a, it was I think it was his jersey, like autog- one autographed jersey that he wore in the last game or something ridiculous yeah, like that. It's it's such a, a it's confusing and like spider web of of how do you want this to actually be applied? So yeah, it was it was interesting. We're like, oh geez, this first first guy we got, you know, he's sitting out for three games because of of apparel, you know, breach of apparel. Um but yeah, I think, uh, you know, I think after that kind of got sorted out and we started to see more people jump on board and and uh, not only the athletes get really excited about it, but also to see the fan response like, oh, this is awesome. I can rep this guy's gear and, you know, I can I can get something ahead of a game and have it with me in the stands and maybe get it signed or whatever. We started to see this snowball of momentum build where all of a sudden it was like, ooh, we might have something here. Yeah, I think what was pretty cool is at first with NIL legislation, you know, you really couldn't use the players' likeness with the university marks, um, and in some states that still is the case. Depending on you know, there's there's federal, and then there's like local and state law, right? And then there's university compliance, which we'll we'll have to get into and, and dive into the different layers of all yeah. of it. But what was nice in Illinois is we could actually use the players' likeness in congruence with the university's likeness and. Um, there's something called an NIL co-license that we'll have to get into. I think we, you know, we dropped, I think Andre Curbelo's first drop and Kofi's first drop combined. I want to say we sold seven or 800 shirts. Um, and we made these guys quick money and I don't think we even realized what we were doing. Right. It just like happened and we're like, here you go. You know, it's, it's, it's such a, a fascinating thing too, because everybody talks about how, you know, you take the model of what happens in the pro leagues, like we're talking about basketball, Kofi and Bello, you know, so what happens in the NBA, you take that same model and you bring it down to the collegiate level, but it, that's not really what's happening because when you look at it from a fan perspective or even from the athlete perspective, their, their motivation for wanting to be involved in this is totally different than a professional athlete, right? Like if I'm a fan and I see that Bello's got some really cool t-shirt that he's dropping, I want to get that, not not necessarily because I'm like, oh, you know, I I want a really cool U of I thing. I just love Bello and I want to I want to support him and I want to rep his stuff, right? So so what you're saying, Adam, is like NIL can't really be compared to the NBA or professional sports. No, like two completely no. different. And I, and I think the the argument to be made there is when you go play professional sports, whether if, if you've got a rookie contract, you're still making bank. Right? You're oh, still 100%. making great money. When you are in college, no matter how many endorsements you get, unless you're Bryce Young, you're not getting that million-dollar contract through your name, image, and likeness. This is just passive money that's going to help you out along the way and you know, maybe make an impact. But there yeah. is nothing that gets compared to pay-to-play. And, and none of it's guaranteed. Uh, you know, none of it has any of these other, you know, professional employment things that are tied to it either. It's like you said, it's, it's, it's just kind of this, uh, extra thing on the side or on the top that kind of helps elevate your standard of living a little bit as a collegiate athlete. That's, that's pretty much what it's doing. You know, when NIL just passed, I noticed like cameo started like blowing up barstool sports, they were signing athletes and, over time, we were talking about it. And we're like, how are these companies going to be able to support 
you know, all of these players. Yeah. I guess what's your opinion on how many athletes are actually going to make I don't want to use the word real money, but let's just say it for a second. Like yeah. money that's going to help their livelihood. We're not talking about a couple hundred bucks here and there, but like money that's going to actually make them a living. Yeah, I, I think I think that's a really interesting question that I it's gonna be it's gonna take a little bit of time to see how some of the dust settles or or more of like the different layers that things fall down into because you know, somebody who may have a really cool opportunity through Cameo um, may not do really great selling T-shirts or jerseys or whatever, right? Like you kind of got to figure out where your niche is or your market is or your fans are or where your value is. Um, you know, you've got basketball and football players that have a lot more national attention around them. You've got volleyball players and softball players that have this incredible uh, community within their sport where, you know, the cameo may work for somebody who's got a lot of national attention, um, but the merchandise may be a huge win for somebody who has a, this crazy, passionate niche following within their sport. So um, I think a, a big answer to that question is just taking a step back and looking objectively, where can I actually add value here to my fans or followers or community or whatever? And that's kind of what we, we we wrestled with in the fall. You know, we took someone like Brandon Pajemski who hadn't stepped court, you know, on the court yet and said, Hey, maybe we could sell something to his high school. So we did his high school exactly. replica jersey to yeah. St. John's and donated money back. Or, you know, whether it was Kofi and doing stuff or finding cool ways like Jake Grandison to this day, one of the best like uses of NIL and merch releases, building up Slim Jake. Um yeah. so I think we were texting and I think it started to get serious around the fall when the Illini store was really booming. Yeah. And we started talking about, you know, how do we turn this into something legit? Tell me, walk me through, because I was the one sending the late night texts. Yeah. Talk to me about when you felt like this was actually something or when you realized, oh, crap, I might quit my job and do this with, with us. So, <laughs> yeah, the, the, the background is that is it, during that time, my wife was like eight months pregnant. So... <laughs> I'm with, with our first kid. So I'm like getting these text messages from you, having these conversations, one at like 1130 or midnight. Uh, and Geneva's like, what the heck are you doing? I'm like, ah, it's all good. Um, everything's fine. Um, and two, like thinking about, okay, if, 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 if we're going to do this, like, you know, I got to also make sure that my nine month pregnant wife is gonna <laughs> so gonna, pregnancy brain is actually a thing for dads <laughs> oh 100 <laughs> absolutely um but i think as we got closer it was like around thanksgiving where we you and i started to kind of sit down and actually build out some numbers and and model what we'd already done at u of i um and and like kind of run that in parallel with these other conversations that we were having i remember i'd get a text message from you at like you know, 1030 in the morning, you're like, dude, I'm getting more emails and text messages. I can't do it. Can you hop on a call later this afternoon? Hey, can you, can you hop on a call this weekend? Oh gosh, we're, you know, my inbox is like blowing up with all this NIL stuff. So like it was modeling out those numbers in parallel with just seeing how many more people we couldn't keep up with. Um, and I think that was where <laughs> you started to suggest, Hey, maybe we need to have a strategic, uh, a strategic partner involved in this. Yeah. So along came Mark Cuban. Um, the story is actually pretty lame. 
Uh, but you know, we started talking about ways that we could, we could really like, maybe we're going to raise money, turn this into a startup. Um, you know, and someone along the way said, Hey, it would be good if you had a strategic partner like Mark Cuban. Um, and I kind of laughed and was like, yeah, Mark Cuban, that would be great. Adam, <laughs> did I bring up Mark Cuban to you before or after I emailed him? Did I just surprise I think, you with that bomb? No, we were, we, were talk, we were talking about it before because uh, I was on the call when it got suggested. And you're like, well, yeah, of course. Like, Who wouldn't want him as a strategic investor? And then uh, a couple days later, I just get a text message of a screenshot of the email that you sent to him. I was like, Oh, so we're like, we're at that point. But the, the best part about that email, you wrote a great email, by the way, on, you could, you could teach classes on cold pitches. It is unbelievable. I've seen it at trade shows. I've seen it in with friends in what restaurant we're going to go to. And I've seen it now with Mark Cuban, you could write a, you could teach a class on, on cold email pitches. My best part about it though, was you totally forgot to ask him, anything. You just, you just told them what we were doing. Hey, Mark, this is what we're doing at Campus Inc. We've done this with the Illini store. We got this many athletes on and he just writes an email back. So why are you emailing me? <laughs> it was, why, why are you emailing me to brag? <laughs> yeah. Any sales professional reading this is like, you forgot the ask. I forgot yeah. the ask. I sent the world's best cold email and I forgot the ask. And that's um, how you know it was that good is because he, he replied back and, and left the door open for you. That's how you know it was that good. So um, to, to you know, our surprise, Mark answered the email um, and we went back and forth. I'm not going to get too much into the details, but he ended up making us an offer. Uh, it felt like Shark Tank over email. Um, <laughs> yeah. I think that happened in the next 24 hours, Adam, because I was like getting yeah. ready to go to Christmas that weekend and literally like, we had Christmas at my, my wife's family's place. And that was like the bomb I dropped on all of them. Like, Hey, I pitched Mark Cuban. He just gave us an offer. I don't know what's happening. <laughs> yeah. It, um, it happened super quick. Yeah. And then sure enough on Monday, we got on with John Simon, who we work with really closely now at Mark's office. And, uh, I think they spent the next three weeks going through due diligence, making sure our numbers were good and clean and, you know, yeah. I think they called back right after the first of the year and was like, we're like, let's do this. Yeah. Uh, we finally closed in March and uh, that was the most crazy, crazy two or three months of our lives because you had just had a newborn. Um, yep. we, we didn't want to count our chickens before they hatch for sure, right? Yep. And uh, sure enough, it went through and I was like, Adam, I need you. Quit your job. Come join us. Tell well, us about that. <laughs> so, so the backside or the backstory for, for me was, you know, obviously Geneva was pregnant through most of that time. And, uh, I remember having the conversation with her and this is how I know, you know, she's a great partner. She, she was like, Hey, if this, if this is going to be really cool, do it. I want you to do it. I want you to make it happen. Um, and kind of the caveat was if Mark is in like, you know, you have to, you don't have a choice. Uh, and I said, well, that's a pretty dangerous, you know, condition to have because you know how good Steven is at closing. And so he's, he's probably going to close that. So, uh, the, the beautiful thing was it happened and she was super supportive. The challenging was, like you said, we, I had a one month old, so it made it really easy to, um, answer those late night emails and text messages. Cause I was up every two hours anyway. 
It's a beautiful thing. I'm sure everyone just loves the love story. I think you accepted your job offer on Valentine's Day just for oh, some yeah. fun. Yep. Um, but then it was off to the races. Um, you know, we've now hired a head engineer. Um, Adam has, you know, built out his team with Sean, who who handles all our marketing communications from Maryland, who we'll meet, you know, on the next episode. We now have over 400 athletes who have signed in up yep. in the queue. In the queue. Um, it's crazy. And it's, it's, we're recording this at the end of April. So all things considered, uh, we wanted to start, you know, um, sharing this with our customers and our listeners and those interested in NIL, just so that you could be on the inside of what's, what's going on and what we plan to do. Adam, what are your plans for kind of this podcast and what we're going to be doing? Yeah. And and I think that, I think you said it right. Like this is so crazy, uh, but so fun. Like why not invite as many people into what's happening and the excitement and the fun as we can. Um, I think what we want to do in the NIL space, and we talk about this a lot is, you know, for us at Campus Inc., the t-shirt comes last. We put designing people first. We want to make t-shirts fun. We want to make them exciting. But what that means is you want to do things with people. And so um, inviting as many people as we can into the conversation here in the podcast, as special guests, um, we're looking forward to having not only movers and shakers in the NIL space um, as special guests and just hear their perspective, but also invite athletes into, uh, into this conversation as well and get a little bit of insight into how the experience is for them. Um, you know, how is it working with your schools? How is it working with your businesses? Uh, and, and hear a little bit from everybody's perspective as we navigate this new space. And to be frank, you know, we think we know what we're doing, but truthfully we're, we're paving that road and writing it every single day. I think you you'll hear it best. NIL is the wild West. It's the matrix. It's a completely uncharted ground. But I think one of the coolest parts about the community is, you know, it is a pretty small community and we're here helping each other, whether it's through the different exchanges or the platforms, athletic departments, licensing, you name it, even the athletes themselves, the agencies, everyone, everyone, you know, I feel like is put putting athletes first and kind of giving them what they have deserved uh, over, over this time, I guess like Adam, you know, what are your goals in the NIL space? You're obviously a professor and you teach this. Uh, you come from, you know, college sports. W- what are your personal goals for all of this? I think one of the coolest things about the timing of this is that we actually get to go through it. How how many times in your life do you get to be in a position where it feels like an entire industry, collegiate sports if it were a snow globe, just got shaken up, right? And we can kind of rewrite a little bit of the rules, um, make sure that things are, are, you know, done in a way that as many people can win as possible. Um, but, I, you know, I think my goals in the NIL space are really to, to help, to do just that, to help as many people win as possible. Um, I think for so long, it's been a little bit of an arms race around, you know, basketball and football and, um, you know, you got to keep the lights on. If those are the two programs that are are generating revenue at your university, then then you know you you have to live in that space. But um, if there's an opportunity for other people to win through this new NIL era, I, I'm really excited to be a part of that. I'm really excited to educate athletes along the way about uh, some different professional development opportunities, learn about contract negotiation, learn about sales analytics, business analytics, digital marketing. Uh, have this new opportunity to kind of explore uh, 
what it means to be a, a, a professional athlete while still under the umbrella of, of their university. It's a really, really cool opportunity to build something brand new in the space. I think what's, what's cool, like my passion lies in working with college students. Um, we've got about 150 students across 40 campuses, all learning design and sales. And I've been telling this to people time and time again, Campus Inc. works with students. Some of our yeah. students just so happen to be athletes. And yeah. I think that the coolest part is now when we're on text threads with players and we show them like, hey, you just sold 100 shirts, you just made 1,000 bucks. And just seeing their like eyes light up I don't even see their eyes on the other side of the text message, but just the amount of emotion that they're like, holy cow, can I get one for my mom? Can I get one for my dad? Yeah. Like, and and they're just like, this is awesome. T-shirts are fun. Um, apparel should be fascinating. It, 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 you know, it's your personal billboard, right? And to be able to share that not only in, in what we've done at Campus Inc. already, but now like with more students, it's just all that more fulfilling. And, yeah. you know, allowing them to do that, uh, I think is, is, is part of it. We say this, that t-shirts come last and they should be fun. They yeah. shouldn't, this is not brain surgery by any it's, means. It's so cool too, to like, <laughs> You know, we're, we're recording this at the end of April. Um, one of our athletes, Ashley Prangy, who, you know, plays softball at University of Alabama. Just, just hit weekend, one over the scoreboard. Over the scoreboard. Uh, and like, I mean, I, sports is my life. You know, I my dad's an athletic director. I grew up on fields and in gyms more than I did my own house. But it's so cool to have this deeper connection to like, I would never follow Alabama softball. And it's so rad to, to have her... Uh, on the platform, see that happen and like be able to say, Hey, this is awesome. Congratulations. That's so cool. See her excitement come back and then brainstorm. Hey, how can we do something cool around this? How can we make this even more special for you? It's, it's, it's really exciting for sure. Let's dive into, I don't want to, you know, go too far into it, but what are different things that you plan to, to, to cover on this podcast? Uh, yeah, it, it'll be interesting as, um, the, the landscape shifts. Um, I talked a little bit about, you know, one thing we, we definitely want to do is in, invite the athletes into this conversation. Um, one of the big changes in the NIL legislation is moving that ownership and agency back to the athlete, um, opening up their voice to their experiences and what they're going through. And we want this podcast to be no exception to that. We want to invite them into this space. Um, so having athletes on here is, is something you can expect. Um, another thing you can expect is hearing from the universities, the administrators, athletic directors as well. Um, that's a whole other voice and perspective, um, that, that is a part of shaping this new era. So, um, hearing from them, what their perspectives are. I'm in a lot of these conversations, uh, in my role as a professor, which is really fascinating having a foot in both camps. Um, the other thing is, is a lot of businesses, right? So we're in the decorated apparel space. Uh, but that's just one avenue of NIL, uh, business, right? There's a lot of endorsement deals out there. There's speaking engagements, there's, uh, summits that are taking place. There's, um, you know, autograph signings, collectives are spitting up all over the place. So my goal is to really have this, uh, however many, you know, 30 minutes, 40 minutes, have this be a, a place where we can hear from all of those voices uh, and start to paint a little bit of a picture holistically of, of where the NIL era is going, along with building a little bit of a community. We're all in this because we, number one, uh, care about student athletes, hopefully. And number two, uh, we care about collegiate sports. And so uh, let's come together and figure out how we can make that that community stronger and better. 
And I, uh, I really appreciate it. I think something, a goal of ours when we were brainstorming is just transparency. You know, there's yep. tons of exchanges out there. There's platforms, there's different rules and rights and regulations, and there's so many different ways to do it. I think one thing Adam and I talked about is, is being agnostic to all of them, you know, learning yep. about all of them and figuring out different ways that, that it's not an or conversation. NIL is an 100%. and conversation. Yep. And uh, we're excited for that. Maybe we can, uh, if this is good enough, maybe we can get Mark on one of these times. That would be sweet. I don't want to, I don't <laughs> yeah. want to say that. No uh, we do, Working with Mark is really cool. We get to talk to him once a week. We email with him back and forth. He forwards us stuff. Um, you know, this podcast was actually one of one of his ideas. Um, but we get to run things by him uh, because you know he puts athletes first. You can see him doing it. Um, he's been doing it since he was broadcasting Indiana basketball games. Right? I'll tell you what, uh, man. As a self-made billionaire, this this probably is the. the sentence that needs to be said the least, but the guy is so stinking smart. Like the amount of <laughs> knowledge that he drops in like one sentence email replies. I'm like, why didn't I think of that? <laughs> so it, yeah, precisely. It's, it's precisely. Amazing. We'll, uh, we'll definitely be bringing on others for our team, uh, whether it's Sean or Neil, you know, we're definitely taking a tech stab at this. There's a, there's a big play in NIL merchandise and technology because this is a fragmented industry and we think that, um, you know, it, it, we can probably build something along the way. So we definitely want to go behind the scenes at Campus Inc. and talk about what we're doing across the board. But uh, if you, you know, are interested in this, shoot us an email. I'd love to have guests on here. But, yeah. uh, but overall, this is fun. Good first episode. Yeah. This I, is sick. Well, We'll see. We'll see. Things are constantly changing. So, you know, legislation, uh, yeah, it's it's going to be a fun ride for sure. Well, again, thanks for listening, everyone. I'm Steven, CEO at Campus Inc., Adam Cook. Hope uh, to have you back on the next episode, but this is the first episode of, I guess, what we call the NIL show. The NIL show. There you go. Have a good one. Bye. Hey everyone, Adam Cook from Campus Inc. in the NIL store. Just wanted to say thanks again for listening and joining us on this journey. And as a reminder, if you ever need any teamwear, custom merchandise, rec or youth league jerseys, uh, fraternity and sorority wear, or company merchandise, we're always here for you. You can find us at campus.inc. And of course, for all your NIL needs, nil.store.